Hi, I'm Chris Changin Phillips, and this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichi, Wiskaigon, on Treaty 6 territory. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally supported, community grown. We take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, then we find out the answers together. And this is the first of a little mini-series where friend of the pod, Nathan Fung, is going to be asking the questions and doing the investigating. We are currently on my porch, surrounded by some exuberant magpies. Uh, Nathan, tell the folks at home about yourself. Sure. I'm Nathan Fung. I'm a local journalist here. Graduated from the U of A in 2019 after working with the student newspaper there at the Gateway, mostly in the news department. So I spent a lot of time reporting on post-secondary news, but I was always curious about exploring Edmonton history. So I'm glad that Chris would let me take the opportunity to pursue that with Let's Find Out. And uh, the Gateway connection is how Nathan and I know each other because Gateway was doing a radio show at CJSR. And then over time, we realized that neither of us knew anyone who liked talking about Doctor Who. We're, we're both massive nerds. Yeah. And uh, favorite Doctor today, how you feeling? Uh, an easy answer would be 12. Yeah, Capaldi's amazing. Capaldi is amazing, and I miss him dearly. But if I wanted to give a true answer, it probably would be 2. <gasps> the second Doctor, fascinating. The cosmic hobo, I, I love him. So Nathan, what uh, questions are we going to be digging into in this miniseries? Uh, for this miniseries, I decided to focus on a part of my childhood that seems to be not mentioned a lot in a lot of media or it seems to be covered quite negatively. Um, and that is the Mirama Dining and Lounge Dim Sum restaurant that was demolished in December 2018. I have a vague memory of this place. I got dragged there as a kid in elementary school for a dim sum cultural experience or something yeah and that vaguely sounds like my experience of it too and i honestly don't remember a lot of the restaurant i only remember going there and i remember liking the atmosphere and the food but then all of a sudden there was a story in the news about a bit of gang violence that happened that resulted in two people dying and after that it seemed like that's when the the restaurant went derelict and people stopped going um and it sort of stood there with its sun-faded canopy, and it just sat there abandoned until it was finally demolished, at which point it was sort of, like, praying to be gone. But I feel like there's something to those, like, vaguely good memories that I had with it as a kid, and I wanted to explore that with what I'm doing here. Huh. I'm intrigued to see what you find out. Where does our story start? Well, our story starts with Grace Law, who I, I reached out to with this project. Grace is a member of the IA Collective, which does a lot of activism with Chinatown and Chinese history in Edmonton, Alberta. And Aya focuses a lot on like trying to keep on history that can potentially be lost. So that's why I felt like Mirama would definitely fall into their ballpark. I should mention, I'm part of the old Aya WhatsApp group, and uh, I did help out once with the gentrification party thing that they did. That's a good... That's a good disclosure. <laughs> so I guess to start off, sort of introduce yourself and who you are. Um, so my name is Grace, and I am born and raised in Edmonton. I uh, am an artist. I work in arts and culture, and I really love Chinatown. It's one of my favorite spots in the city. And you're also part of the Aya Collective. Um, this is, do you want yeah, to talk about that a little that's bit? that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm part of uh, the Aya Collective. Aya Collective, um, there are, there's a group of us. Um, we are Sean C., Lan Chan Marples, and Wai Wen Wen, and we have some friends that uh, join us when they can. 
And we exist, we exist because of uh, what's happening in Chinatown. Um, we started because of the removal of the Harbin Gate, Edmonton's uh, Chinatown Gate. And um, we exist because we wanted to create meaningful public spaces to remember and honor, and honor sites that are no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And I guess Miramar is definitely part of that now. Yes, definitely part of that. And yeah, we were sad when Miramar was gone. It was kind of a shock. And um, because although like a lot of us love Chinatown, not many of us live in Chinatown. So we're a little bit removed with the current um, happenings of it and found out after it was uh, demolished. Um, but it was, I know, I understand it was a long time coming and it was quite a dangerous site, but Miramont was, Miramont is a special, like, childhood memory to me. It was where um, my family ate dinners and dim sum and where uh, there were a lot of banquets, like grad banquets, banquets and Chinese New Year banquets. So, yeah, it was, it was a place where we could celebrate, you know, our food and our culture and and the, like weekly weekly family gatherings so so that was sort of your like your relationship to that place it's like a place for your family to get together something yeah like exactly yeah i think at least once a week we ate in chinatown and Mirma stands out in my mind um i remember my dad's really his like first priority for everything in life is to uh, have a good deal and Mirama fit that bill. So um, we often went there. We often went to uh, Mirama or um, I also remember like it's in Chinese, it's called Meilewa or in Canton it's called Meilewa. And I, I distinctly remember um, learning the word Mei, which means pretty. So it was a way for me to, I remember after like, Chinese school um, we would go out to eat and sometimes it was it was at Mirama and yeah my mom always ordered um the pan fried uh, rice noodles and uh, I really loved their uh, taro tapioca dessert soup and yeah so it was one of my family's favorite spots for sure Actually, I've not heard the restaurant called by its Cantonese name in quite a bit until you said it just now. Oh yeah, yeah, Mary Wise, yeah. <laughs> I've not heard that. I've not heard it called like that in quite a bit. Wow. Mm. How does uh, that feel? Oh, uh, uh, definitely a throwback. Mm hmm. I I know, like when I listen, when someone calls me by my Chinese name, it feels yeah, it feels like there's like something being called in my body that so it, yeah it's nice to hear it's nice to hear our ancestors language <laughs> so how old would you have been like when you mm -hmm. like went there um when i went there i went there like i would say like when like when i was little up till i remember my friend even had her wedding there and i was like in my early 20s so yeah, it okay. exists. It existed for a good part of my life. 
I sometimes went there when the restaurant wasn't open because my sisters did Chinese dancing and I was too shy to dance, but I really loved watching my sisters dance. And um, so I would hang out there after hours and um, it had two floors. So when you entered, there was this really beautiful gift shop. There was a fountain and then you climbed up the stairs and sometimes it was really busy so the lineup went uh, all the way down the stairs. Um, and when you climbed up, I remember like these, um, those Chinese uh, characters of two people kind of honoring the entrance of um, the space before you went in. And it was just this giant, giant banquet space filled with lots of circle tables and um, a nice view, really like lots of windows and light that entered in from the river valley. And yeah, that's what I remember of Meiliwa. Hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's, on, who's only a year older than me, I think. Okay. Um, uh, she remembered doing Chinese dance and Chinese New Year stuff in it. But yeah. the one thing that she reminded me of that I've totally forgotten was she was like, she reminded me of those like bubble toys from the gift shop where it's like a plastic paste where you like put it on the end of a straw. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I totally forgotten about those things until she mentioned it. <laughs> um, I wasn't allowed to go in the gift shop. Like, <laughs> so I only, I don't even think I've set foot inside. I've only experienced. Um, just seeing the, the you know, the uh, uh, exterior of it. But, yeah, unfortunately, I, you're not going to get any stories from me about the gift shop because my my parents, my dad's pretty, like, economical about money. <laughs> I guess. But it definitely was part of it, I think. Yes, it was. I do remember it. Yeah, and I looked longingly <laughs> every time I entered um, to go in, but I wasn't ever brave enough to sneak but it was entertaining to look at all the little knickknacks and things when I when I could. But yeah. We'll be back with Grace's recollections of Mirama. But first, let's find out is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for community-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes weekly rounds on a variety of topics, including business news, as well as city council news. Curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them right to your inbox. You can get two for free. If you want more, just become a Taproot member. Then you get as many as you want, including other perks for just 10 bucks a month or 100 bucks a year. Get informed at taprootedmonton.ca. This episode is also brought to you by World on Fire, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. World on Fire is a new five-part series that takes you to the front lines of out-of-control wildfires in Canada, Australia, and California. Recorded during the pandemic, host Adrian Lamb and Mike Flanagan look at what it takes to find hope in the midst of fear and destruction and how communities affected by wildfires rebuild. The series examines the high cost that wildfires cause to people's health, homes, and communities. You can find World on Fire on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash worldonfire. (laughs) 
Now back to Mirama, for those who are a little less familiar with the restaurant, it used to be located on 94th Street, Jasper Ave. By the time it was demolished on December 18, 2018, most of the businesses there had shut down, including the restaurant and the myriad of gift shops that were open on the ground level. And even before that, the restaurant had been fined for a number of fire code regulations. In fact, according to a CTV news article, uh, Ward 6 City Councilor Scott McKean said on the day of the demolition that the building had been a real eyesore and that the demolition is a real addition by subtraction. Still, I think people like Gracie frequented it back in the day remember it fondly as it kind of was a hub for activity for a lot of Chinese Canadians living in Edmonton. It's a place you'd go to on weekends regularly, you'd see people you'd recognize there, it was a place where people would hold Chinese New Year's celebrations, stuff like that. Um, why was it important to you? It was important to me because, um, like, growing up in Edmonton and in, like, primarily uh, white culture, like, I was shy of my um, ethnicity and my culture. So, like, being in a space like Mirama told me it was okay to eat my Chinese food um, like, I wouldn't be guarded up about introducing new foods, um, and also, like, just openly celebrating with my family, um, so it felt, it felt safe to do that, so it felt safe to celebrate my culture and my food, and, um, I think food is so important, um, to, to our identity, what we eat and what we love to eat. And to have an environment like Marama um, uphold that um, when when it's not offered uh, everywhere, um, I think that's really special. And that's like the only restaurant that offered uh, tapioca taro dessert soup. So that's why it was my favorite place I to go. I guess that leads to another question I wanted to ask, which is like, is there anything you feel like Marama has that some that like say not just at a restaurants but other things in Edmonton d- doesn't offer like someone might say like like right now well I th- I'm just think wondering like if you were talking to like say someone who's not particularly like super crazy about Chinese food for example or dim sum places they're like oh it's just one dim sum place a many like is there any so that's why I'm mm. just wondering like would, would you think in your opinion that there's something about Mirama that was distinct from even the other current like restaurants that are still up Oh, I see what you mean. Um, so I'm not like the best food connoisseur, but I do like, I think what really stands out is, was its architecture. Um, there was nothing like that in Edmonton. And um, I know the aesthetics of it is debated. Is it iconic? Is it ugly? Um, I would say it's iconic. Um, I think in public space, uh, we, because we live in a white dominant society, Western European aesthetics are favored, and um, other other kinds of aesthetics are not understood. So, uh, I think for me, what stands up stands out about Marama is, yeah, is its architecture, and uh, but that's maybe that's typical of me being just like a visual artist saying that, but. Yeah, that's that's what that's what it made it for me. There was no, there was no other. Yeah, there's nothing like that that 
created that landscape and it was on that kind of corner or that turnaround on Jasper. And like often people would use that as a landmark to locate themselves too around the city. So how about yeah. the place as a social space? Cause I feel like even cause like that's where you, a lot of people did celebrations. A lot of people had weddings, Chinese New Year celebrations, line dance. Chinese that's dance. true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think, um, Lan might might be able to speak more to this, but um, yeah, it was. I know Lan said this was the biggest banquet hall, so lots of people went there because they could fit more people in. And um, my family wasn't um, in the center of uh, the social scene in the Chinatown community, but um, yeah, I do remember like definitely things like ch- Chinese dancing what my sisters did and high school graduations and things like that. Yeah, and you said you had a, your, a friend that even had a wedding there, right? That's right, yeah. So, and my friend, she's a childhood friend and, um, yeah, she was a pretty close friend and, yeah, it was it was fun. <laughs> um, it was fun and um, I, my friend, my friend, my mom, she, um, I had, I have a childhood friend who I've known since before my mom babysat her and we kind of just grew up together and our friend got married there. And, um, I wish I had more stories to tell Nathan about that wedding, but I really don't because I wasn't very close. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, uh, my memories are kind of like, um, pretty, uh, I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say there was, like, a, a pretty surface for some reason, even though I know it was a special, special space. Um, yeah, I just remember, like, my when we went home from Chinatown to my house in the north side, I just know that passing that restaurant, driving through, it was, it stuck starkly in my mind, visually. Um, yeah. The one thing mm-hmm. you did mention, I think you mentioned something about how some people either see it as iconic or as ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sort of wonder if that's also because of like depending on what people associate with it. So like, I think oh. maybe people who went there and remember it as a like fondly as a as a restaurant or as a social gathering place remember it as iconic. But mm-hmm. for people who only remember it for. Um, it being like mm-hmm. a, a safety hazard or, or only remember it for what happened um, with that uh, violent incident in the building. That's people who would probably mm-hmm. say it's like. It's a good point. Uh, yeah. Do you think that's the case? Maybe. I think that's a good point. I mean, like what are, what are people's experience on, of Mirama? Was it, you know, the food and the gatherings or was it the fallout of Mirama of dealing with, you know, it being unsafe space and, and all of that, but still, I, I I see it in other ways. Like even the Harbin Gate, I heard. Like I wouldn't say it's a blanket statement, but I I did hear someone say the Harbin Gate is ugly. But like, what kind of negative associations do we have with Harbin Gate? It's not like there were there wasn't a gang violence. Um, I I I I think it's beautiful. I mean, it's definitely different than um, a lot of. Uh, what exists in Edmonton, but 
Uh, I think just because something is different or someone doesn't understand it, I feel like people people say it's ugly. And yeah, so that that's kind of hurtful because that just indicates um, what what is valued in public space and what is uh, preserved and yeah. So I think overall you would say it's worth remembering positively. Absolutely, yeah, because yeah, like there there's a dark side of Meiliwa Mirama, um, but but for so many people it was place of gathering, celebration, uh, really good food, really like affordable food too. So yeah, I think it's important to remember the good just as much as as um, acknowledging you know the not the the darker side of Mirama. Thanks for listening. That's it for now with our discussion with Grace and her memories of the Mirama restaurant. But I have so many more questions, like what do people think should happen with the area now that it's been demolished, as well as that darker side that Grace mentioned. The wedding that took place in the restaurant 16 years ago that turned into a knife fight between two rival gangs somehow. We'll be back in two weeks to take a look at some of those questions. Let's Find Out is produced by Chris Chang-Yun Phillips, Trevor Chow-Fraser, and me, Nathan Fung. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find them on letsfindoutpodcast.com, where you can also sign up for a newsletter. Thank you to Grace Law and Carolina Wong, and thanks to everyone else who's been supporting this podcast. Original music is by our timey-wimey Doug Hoyer. Until next time, keep your questions coming. Keep your questions coming.